Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company. Specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-337-706-0111. We've done a lot of interviews the last two days. Only one today. We'll be talking to our friend Tom Haver from Lake Charles in about a half hour or so. Get you caught up on things going on with McNeese Cowboys and the world of college athletics. I'm sure there's, um, man, there it is. The, I don't know that we'll get into it just right now, but I mean, between gambling and NIL, I mean, you want to talk about in transfer portal college athletics is just filled with just huge issues that all have the potential and already have in many ways just shake the foundation of the whole operation. I mean, it's just, wow. Anyway, I want to start, though, with the word tanking. Is something, it's been a big issue in sports for a while. I don't know, tanking. Load management, I guess those are separate, but they kind of cross over each other a little bit. I mean, do you think it's almost like like the Lakers tanked last night? Like when the Lakers played the Grizzlies, there was a game where, was it game five? They just tanked. I think it was game five. It's like, like the Sixers, did they just tank in game two? Like. How, how do you? I understand every once in a while you're just going to get drilled, but I'm wondering if there's more. Just look, we're just we're just going through the motions in this game. We're, we're, we're you know we got to especially if you're a little bit on the older side like the Lakers. I mean, it it, it you load manage tr- during the course of the regular season, and within a series you almost load manage. Like you say, well, we 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 just, in other words. We can't play hard for seven games. So we got to pick and choose our spots where we play hard. The problem is you better win when you play hard. Because <laughs> if you lose, I mean, again, I'm not stating this as 100% fact, but it sure looks that way. And then there's the whole Anthony Davis thing. Like, how is this possible? Because the thing I don't get is, you say, well, they got physical. Well, why didn't they get physical with him in the first game? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and it's not just this one series. He's been doing this the whole playoffs. Way back when, when um, Dick Vitale got popular in the 80s. In college basketball, he had all these sayings, and he used to call some of them a Dow Joneser. This cat, Anthony Davis, might be the ultimate Dow Joneser. I mean, he just this. I, 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 there's no way this has ever happened before. Not this many games in a row. First of all, there's not that many players 
we're capable of doing 30 and 20. Not that many. So that limits the field totally. And then to do with that kind of stuff every other game for this long, it's got to be unprecedented. Like, I mean, it, you you almost would have to try to do it, what he's doing. Like, you, I just don't think happenstance that happens. So every other time he gets motivated and every other time the defense just decides, well, we're just going to let him go. Like, what? I mean, it, it, I, we, you know, we use the word, like, there's no way you could script that. Like, it, it's, it's, it, what they do. But I think some of that is they tank. I mean, use tank, don't give 100%. Look, I, one of the things that's a myth, and I guess there are a few athletes that are like that Pete Rose, Craig Biggio. There are very few athletes that give 100% all the time. And I've said many times before, I don't want my players giving 100% all the time. I know that sounds terrible, but if I've got, like, Michael Brantley or El Perro Grande, when they hit a lazy five ball to left field, or a ground ball right to the shortstop. I don't want them running and giving 100% down the, the line. You know, all you're doing is increasing your chance of injury. But then, you know, every once in a while, you get a guy like a Craig Biggio, that cat always ran hard to first base. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, he would hit a ground ball to the pitcher, that cat was running hard to first base. I mean, some guys are just built that way. But... I don't even want I don't want my guys, especially my best players. Now the Jake Myers of the world, you you kind of want hustling all the time because they need that. But your best players, especially if they're either injury prone or not like really, really athletic guys, you don't want them trying hard all the time. So I get that. And I get the kind of series management when you're an older team, but I don't know. It's just it's just weird. It's almost like it wouldn't be that hard to handicap. I wonder how many people I wonder how many how much money is made when the road team wins game one on game two, because Unless you're the Knicks, and then, and then that takes us back to the Knicks. Like, what happened to the Knicks? Like, in game, they only won by six. You're supposed to win by forty. Cat, you 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 didn't get the memo when you when you're a home team and you and you lose game one. You're supposed to win game two by forty. The Knicks won by six, but I don't know. Just really, 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 really bizarre. The other thing going on right now in the world of sports for me. No, we might we might wait till the beginning of the next segment to do that. I, I in the Aaron Rodgers is um revealed two things that really get to me w- with his with his last you know, what is how long has he been signed like for about a week, almost 2 weeks, week and a half, something like that. Their deal got reached like the Monday or Tuesday of NFL draft week, I think. And two things have been revealed or 
remind remind me of two scenarios that really get to me. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll hold off so we can maybe discuss them a little more uh, in the next um, segment. But speaking of that NFL, it came out yesterday that the Saints have to play another one of those stupid Europe games. Now, at least it's not a home game like it was last year. But uh, they're playing... The Patriots in Germany. That is just, that is just nauseating. Totally nauseating. But um, I I hate those games. Kind of like, it's kind of like the, along the same line of what's going to happen tonight. Because for us Astro fans, it begins tonight. The first West Coast trip of the season. Uh, Astros play in Asia tonight against the Mariners. And um, usually over the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, 12 to 15 years, even when they were really, really, really bad, if, if they needed a tonic, it, go to Seattle. That that's that was like their home has been their home away from home for the Astros for a long time. Astros have owned the Mariners for a long time, and uh, they, it's not like they've won every series in Seattle because they haven't. But they've played a lot of good baseball in Seattle over the last fifteen years or so, and they're kind of limping right now. They've got a lot of injuries. Yesterday, Michael Brantley was not in their triple-A lineup. Chaz McCormick was not in their double-A lineup. So I I don't – some people are guessing maybe that means they're done with their little rehab assignment. We don't know that for sure. At least I haven't heard confirmation of that. But the speculation is maybe they're done with their rehab assignment and they might join the team in Seattle. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we might get that news sometime today or one or both of them might do that. We'll see. It would just be nice to see them. Brantley didn't didn't seem like he got off to a great start, but his last game or two was really good. Like he went three for four in one of the games with a double. Um, they just need to get back to having a long lineup again because it, you know, there's so many outs in their lineup right now. Now who's gonna go down and not go? To, I mean, Hensley's got to go down. I mean, he's just. I thought he'd do better. I I kind of liked him. He intrigued me a little bit last year with his performance, but so far this year he's. He's just not having a lot of good at bat. So I mean, he's got he's got to go, and I got to believe the third catcher's got to go. He never plays. Like, what good is he? I mean, I know he's an an insurance policy, but no, he he's he's got to go, uh, go down. And I would think anyway. And so we'll see how how that stuff plays out. And then I don't know. Is JP France about to get a start tonight or tomorrow? I would you know I would think that's possible. So it is um it's going to be interesting. I'm already tired. It's been a long week. It's been a long two weeks. It's been a long school year. It's going to be Javier tonight. Still TBD on tomorrow, so maybe JP tomorrow. Tomorrow, that makes sense. Um Javier's had some good outings. Uh, like him and Framber haven't pitched poorly, but they haven't pitched great yet either. Like 
I think Framber had like one really good outing. Christian had like one really good outing. And most of their other outings, okay, not bad, just not dominant. So when you lately been scoring one or two runs a game or zero, uh, that, that becomes a problem. By the way, apparently Jared Kelenic has discovered how to play baseball. So I want to. I have to see. I have to see this with my own eyes to believe. I've been really down on him. To me, he was just. He's been an All American out every time he had his little cups of coffee in the major league. So, so he's hitting into three hole. The last time I saw it, he's hitting three hundred. Jared Kelenic discovered how to play the game. So I got to see this from my own eyes to this weekend. We'll see how that plays out. Man, I don't know how this fat cat is going to stay up till midnight tonight. I. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we'll give it the old college try. We'll take a timeout and be back. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to... Footnotes. All right, I just I'm getting. Am I am I hearing? Yes. Okay. So we were discussing the Kentucky Derby yesterday with Mr. Tom, and one of the long shot options that he gave us was a horse named Skinner, and we're now getting the news that Skinner is scratched uh, from the Kentucky Derby. Apparently, the horse is ill. I guess, is what I'm understanding here, trying to look at it real quickly. But Skinner is scratched. So I also heard on one of the top of the hour breaks that it is that uh, Tap It Thrice is now, and Forte are now like both five to one. An Angel of Empire, the horse that, well, you know, I'm going to say to pick, the name just sounds better. I guess Forte is not a terrible name. Tap it thrice is, it's not bad, but it, it doesn't, it's not as majestic of Angel of Empire. Like, that's just like a majestic horse name. I like going with those. They, they just sound like derby winners. But anyway, some news there on the Kentucky Derby front. Um, Before I get into the Aaron Rodgers thing and what kind of pet peeves or what things I feel very strongly about that brought out this past week and a half or so, since he was traded to the Jets and what has transpired since then. Um, last night, Cajun softball did play. We have admit they, they won, clinched the Sunbelt Conference regular season championship, and they have two more games with ULM. And 
you know, uh, you know, you figure, you, you think they're going to play. They they weren't overly emotional. I mean, you know, they celebrated like you would celebrate to win any game. It wasn't like some sort of unusual celebration, and I think that was pretty much by design. It was a, it was not a great victory. I mean, you know, a dominate. It was just a workmanlike take care of business. They scored at least one run in the first four innings. They didn't score after that. The pitching was good. The defense was fine. I, I'm still a little worried about the out, the defense in the outfield. I I just don't know what it's going. I'm I'm worried that when they get into regional play and they play a really good team, are they really going to be able to not have three outfielders in the outfield? Like you can get away with that all for a lot of the year, and they have. I mean, they have 40, what, 41 wins. But I don't know. In the region, are they really going to be able to get away with not having three outfielders in the outfield? Uh, I think that's going to be tough. But anyway, they won. They'll play again tonight. And we'll get it more into, um, you know, LSU and, and some of the baseball series later on in the show because, you know, it's it's getting towards the end in baseball and softball. This is the end of the regular season. But I wanted to get to the Aaron Rodgers thing. Aaron Rodgers watching everything, you know, what he's done and how things are going so far since he became a member of the Jets brings out two things for me. One of them is I did my little foot's fury that we do each week yesterday on it. Joe Namath told Aaron Rodgers, you can have my number 12. And Aaron said no. And he goes, no, really, Aaron, seriously, I, I, you know, he's so fired up as a guy who, you know, still follows the Jets and wants the Jets to do well. And he got caught up in the excitement and he said, no, Aaron, really, you can have my number 12. And Aaron said no. In other words, he respected Joe Namath's place in the history of the Jets organization and the NFL. And it's one of the legendary storylines in NFL history, the whole Joe Namath thing. And it was a, I mean, again, if you know, it, this was Super Bowl three. They had there was this idea out there that somehow the NFL was way ahead of the AFL, and it was a false perception, and. And and, and, and it might, I don't know, it might have been the beginning of how silly the whole QW thing is, too. Because Joe Namath, he was Flash and Hollywood or, I don't know, not Hollywood, Broadway. Um, but, you know, he did all these commercials and he wore mink coats and all that silliness. But he come out and guaranteed a win. Of course, the, the, the ultimate irony for me who hates the whole QW mentality is... He didn't do hardly anything in that game other than not make mistakes. The defense completely dominated the game, and Joe Willie Namath got all the credit for it. It's funny how that works. What did they win? I think it was 16-7 to was the final score, something like that. Like, he did fine. He didn't throw a bunch of picks or anything. But, and he did what he was supposed to do. They had a game plan. It's a team game. 
I mean, they ran it. They threw underneath passes. They didn't do a lot of crazy stuff. He didn't throw a lot of picks. The defense played tremendous. They kept picking off the Colts, and they won the game. And, of course, Namath gets all the credit when the defense did all the work. But, anyway, that's beside the point. Um, but, but Aaron Rodgers had enough respect for Joe Namath to say, no, you, you're, you keep your 12. I'll change my number to eight, which – you know, shows a little awareness, a little little bit of class within all of his mystery. And, of course, what that reminded me of is the cheater, Jerry Rice, and his no-class approach. Jerry Rice, at the end of his career, Jerry Rice had everything. Like, he, he played for an organization that was a little bit of ahead of its time in terms of offense. You know, he had a criminal owner who played all the – who paid all his players with – with with uh, dirty money and and we had to hear all these features about how oh, all these other teams you know they they they're, they're so mistreated and we have this lavish you know airplanes and all the stuff that he was doing with all his playing all his pairs with all the dirty money he was making and um you know and the mafia behind him and everything and 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 they won all these Super Bowls and the referees the league cheated for him and all that it was just awful. I mean, just an awful, uh, despicable franchise. But anyway, so they did all that. And, of course, like I told everybody at the time, the guy, he went to prison. That's what criminal owners do. They go to prison. Um, And he went to prison. Um, And so towards the end of his career, he had everything going for him. He wins these Super Bowls. He's considered by most the best ever even though Don Hudson is. Um, and then he decides, I'm going to go play for Seattle. And now the Seattle Seahawks are pretty good now, but at that point they had never really done a whole lot. Like they had a couple nice runs, made a championship game, but with lost to the Dolphins. And they had a couple, you know, they were some a pretty good team for a little while, but had never really done anything real big. And they had one great player in the history of their little franchise. One, Steve Largent, Hall of Fame wide receiver, who happened to wear the same number as Jerry Rice, the jerk. And so what does Jerry Rice do? Did, did, did he, did, could he muster up enough class that Aaron Rodgers had? No. He said, no, you, you, you little franchise, you had one good player. Give me your number. Give me your number. Like Aaron Rodgers... Had enough class to say, Joe Namath, keep keep your number. I'm I'm not taking your number. But Jerry Rice, he had to. He had so little class about him, he had to take Steve largest number, the one good player, great player they had in the history of their franchise at that point. Boy, he took his number. He didn't think twice about it. So that's point number one. Point number two is a lot of y'all don't like or don't understand, and, and sometimes get mystified how much. Why do I hate Martin Anders? And this Aaron Rodgers situation illustrates it. So, if you're a Packer fan right now, and you're watching Aaron Rodgers get along with everybody, and you're watching Aaron Rodgers show up for many for voluntary camps, OTAs, or whatever they call them, and oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gung ho. I'm gonna work with all y'all, these young new receivers, and I'm working with the coaches, and I'm showing up. You, you are you not thinking, uh, Cat? Where was that last year? 
Hey, cat, you we paid you too. Like, you got really famous at our organization. Like, where was that when you played for us last year and the year before, and then you wanted more money? Same thing with Martin Anderson. This cat, last two years in New Orleans, he made one out of 11 field goals of 50 yards or more. And he stopped kicking the ball. His kickoff stopped going in the end zone. He was not the same kicker. He was fat catting it. And then he wants more money. Um, No. And so he gets cut. And then they want him. Then he wants to go to another organization and start working hard again. Well, no, cat. It, it shouldn't work that way. Don't get your chip on your shoulder now. Get your chip on your shoulder two years ago when you were awful. And look, my my favorite Astro player ever, Cesar Cedeno. My second favorite Astro player is Lance Bergman. But he made me just, he, it was disgusting. He got fat and, and was terrible his last year in Houston. Then they, then, then he goes, they release him and then he wants to go, or they trade or whatever happened to him. That, and, and, he, and then he wants to go get in shape. So my nickname for him was used to be fat. Well, well, where was this in shape Lance Berkman the last two years you were in Houston? That stuff drives me crazy. And again, some of that is life. But then I have to hear all these people and in, in, in media like going, oh, what a stupid thing. What do you mean you're stupid to get rid of him? The cat stopped trying hard. He got fat. You know, stop in Martin Anderson, stop making kicks. And then he wants to go to a, a new organization, my biggest rival in the division at the time, and get in shape and start hitting again. Oh, no. Come on now. No. So, yeah, those are the two things I got from this last week and a half with Aaron Rodgers. One good and one just, you know, bringing up a lot of angst from the past. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, breathe, man, breathe. I'm trying. Uh, look, before I get to what I'm actually calling about, um, the, to me, one of the sidebars is going to be watching Aaron Rodgers in the New York media. I mean, Green Bay and New York are two totally separate. He was king of the world in Green Bay. He's just another pawn on the chessboard in New York. Now, the flip side is he's arrogant enough or seems arrogant enough, I don't know the guy, but he seems arrogant enough and thinks he's smarter than everybody else where that could become a fun war to watch, the press versus Aaron Rodgers, especially if things don't go as well as they're hoping. So, And look, he wore number eight in college because he loved Archie Manning. How's that for a sidebar for you? He's going back to his old college number, and when you ask why he wore eight, it's because he loved watching Archie Manning play. So... Uh, there, there is, everybody's got a bright side, Kevin, but I'm actually calling. You kind of hinted at it when you started the show, this stuff with Bohannon getting fired at Alabama is huge, dude. This is a big deal. I mean, uh, and for those that aren't familiar with it, basically he pulled a starting pitcher when LSU played Alabama and LSU ended up winning the game, uh, eight to six, but regulators in Ohio flagged two irregular bets on the game just before the game, both for LSU to win. And then they were actually able to, one of them was big enough to trigger regulatory checks. And when they investigated, one of the guys placing the bet was in direct contact 
with Bohannon when the wages were placed. And like two days later, this cat's gone. So it, the, the, the bad news is with legalized sports, I mean, this is to be expected. The good news is they literally, within minutes, the system worked here and they busted the guy. It didn't stop him from losing the game, but uh, the fact that the system worked. But they lost 8-6. It wasn't like they got their face crushed. Oh, I know. Well, losing 8-6, though, if you got your starting pitcher, if you score six runs and you got your best pitcher, you'd think you'd have enough runs to win. That's the point. They Their starting pitcher got pulled. They, he said he had back tightness. I mean, come on, Kevin. You put you, A coach pulling a pitcher because his back is tight, that's nothing – Anybody can ever dispute. You can't dispute back tightness, but it's just fishy. And then when they put the pieces of the puzzle together, and this guy was literally had had phone records to Bohannon right before the game, and then these places this super large bet. Uh, I mean, I smell a fish. And like I said, if you score six runs, you should be able to win. And because well, they didn't have their best pitcher on the mound, I mean, they lose eight to six. Yeah. So it's a big deal. Oh no, this I, is a I, major I, conference. You know, this this didn't. Oh no! Didn't, Again, it's uh, the whole gambling aspect is, is, is nuts. But I, I, I went too long, so I got to go. We're we're at the top. Thanks for the call. Peace. Have a good weekend. You too. We'll be back. This is footnotes on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us our friend, Mr. Tom Hafer from. Lake Charles, how are you, sir? Outstanding. How are things over there? Well, you know, we're, we softball's about to end. Pro- very similar, I would think. You know, both baseball yep. teams are kind of, uh, I don't know. You know, they're going to have to make a run in the conference tournament. And uh, the Cajuns played last night in softball, and their magic number was one, and they, they won, so they clinched a regular season title. And the and McNeese softball team's in the same situation going into the night, correct? Yeah, they they need two a combination of two either wins or oh, losses. Two. Okay, you know for uh, for the uh, Cowgirls and uh, Southeastern, uh, they're two up in the standings, but the the Lions have the tiebreaker, so uh, they they got to win two themselves or hope that Southeastern loses one. And uh, it, it sounds, I wouldn't say in the bag, but it's you know the, the, it's a it, it's not a done deal, but but. Definitely looking like they're going to get the, the regular season title. Right. All right. So get back to baseball. Uh, first of yep. all, we've talked a couple of weeks about how the, the Southland Conference race is not really going as expected. And one of them that's really just kind of bizarre is to see Southeastern in last place. I I don't know. I mean, they, they've been pretty good for a long time. That's a little surprise. Oh, no question about it. And Southeastern and McNeese have been, you know, at or near the top. Uh, for several years now, and uh, and it, it was just stunning to see neither of them, you know, near the top right now. McNeese right in the middle of the pack, and Southeastern at the bottom. I mean, who would have who would have suspected it? The league 
the, the league is just so balanced. Um, and, and it's funny, it, they're all good teams, and all, everybody's got a good offense, but nobody's got enough pitching. And, and it's so funny. I look around college baseball, and I see LSU kind of struggling with that. Um, you, you know, uh, other teams in the Southeastern Conference struggling with that. You got some great pitchers, and then you just get lost in the back of the weekend. You don't know who's going to perform. You don't know who's going to get called upon. The guy that was good last week has control trouble this week or whatever, and it's just so topsy-turvy that it's affected the standings in the Southland. And I see it all around, the, you know, really the South in college baseball. Well, in a conference like the South, you know, in the SEC, you know, you're going to have whoever, seven, eight, nine, however many are going to make the tournament, and they already kind of know that. But in a, right. in a conference like the Southland Conference, it's a little different. So that's going to make, for one, a very exciting conference tournament up for grabs. So I've seen over the years, I've seen teams hit their way through a tournament, but it seems like so far, am I right? Like McNeese's team last year on paper going in probably has a better chance of just flat out hitting their way. Where are they yeah. right now in that, in that possibility? Yeah, pretty much. So I think that's it, it too. And, and, you know, they're playing Lamar this weekend. Uh, they're kind of in the same boat. They're nine and nine. They're maybe a little better than, than people thought going into the year. Um, but, but both have nine and nine records and are similar in that way, no question. And and uh, the the Cowboys are probably the best example of what I was just talking about. They got a great Friday starter, and uh, and then after that, they don't know what the, what the heck's going to happen. They got a kid back uh, who probably is going to start one day. Uh, he came back from Tommy John. It's Bryson Hudgens, and he pitched an inning last weekend, and he's probably going to pitch a couple or three this weekend. I don't know that it's an impact. Uh, that that has, but but they're sticking him right in there and pitching him right away because I think they feel more comfortable with a guy coming off with Tommy John than they do some of the other guys that that they just haven't been able to rely on. Well, yeah, I think you just kind of maybe anticipated my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. One of the things we were discussing with the Cajuns yesterday is trying to look like at the conference tournament. If you're going to make a run. Either one, you kind of have to do what I said. It's just for whatever reason, get real hot over three or four yep. days and hit your way. Or you have to have someone who's kind of a surprise pitcher who hasn't either done anything in a long time or hasn't really done hardly anything all year, and he gets put in a big spot and he comes through either with a great start or uh, a great five or six innings in middle relief out of the blue. I mean, do you see candidates besides the, the guy you just mentioned there for McNeese? Um, yeah, um, you know, the guy that's been the closer could, could end up pitching a lot of innings and, uh, I, but man, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the inconsistency up and down the bullpen is just, it, you just not, you're not sure of anybody. Now you're at home, right? I mean, so that's yeah. gotta help. Oh, no oh. question about it. It's a home series. It's a, it's a rivalry series. It's really interesting. Um, you know, Lamar, um, this, the, the coach for McNeese in the assistant coach is Jim Rickelson and folks in Lafayette might know Jim Rickelson because he was Tony Robichaux's assistant coach, um, dating back into the 1980s when coach Robichaux got the job here at McNeese, but both of them were very young at that time when coach Robichaux left to go to, to the, the raging Cajuns, Jim Rickelson became the head coach at McNeese, uh, lasted at that maybe about three years and left. And he became 
the assistant head coach uh, for Jim Gilligan at Lamar and was there for decades, you know, uh, in, in that spot at Lamar. Well, he came back to, to Lake Charles uh, to, to McNeese a few years ago and is J- Justin Hill's top assistant now. So you're talking 40, 40 years almost of watching these uh, McNeese and Lamar series. And I, I'm going to ask Coach Rickelson if I see him uh, this weekend, has he missed any McNeese Lamar series since like <laughs> yeah, 1986 really. or whatever that was? Because I, I think he might have seen them all. So as far as um, softball right now, if they clinch this weekend, I mean, is there any? I mean, is is it just a matter of there are no more questions to be answered? You kind of know, you know, what you're going to be probably a three seed somewhere, and it's just a matter of can I execute, or are there some questions and things still to be worked out? Uh, I don't think there are questions. I think the roles are firmly established. Uh, with the girls, they have, um, you know, o- over the course of time, they kind of adjusted where Whitney Tate was the was the uh, ace early on and Ashley Vallejo was kind of the second fiddle, and that's kind of switched a little bit now. Not entirely, but um, but that's kind of become the, uh, the, the, the ranking there with the pitchers. Vallejo's just got a little more velocity um, and, and a little more strikeout capabilities. But... Um, they're so deep at pitching that it's um, it's a luxury that nobody else has, and maybe that's what becomes the the uh, you know the answer in the tournament for them is uh, is how much do they trust the third and fourth pitchers and and uh, um, uh, because they perform really well every time they've been out there and and we watched them. Uh, the team that was in here last week, the uh, A and M Corpus Christi, and they're a pretty good pretty good softball team, but. They really only had one pitcher, and they they just wore her out. And she's like at 180 innings pitched on the season, and the top McNeese pitchers at like 120. There's such a difference when you got depth at uh, at pitcher in in the, a league like this because uh, it, it's such a luxury. And maybe that's their answer in the tournaments. All right, so one more question, kind of off the beaten path a little bit. I'm sure you you've been around college athletics for a long time. When you see what happened at Alabama this week. And all the, you know, there's, we, I was commenting at the beginning of the hour. I mean, there's some, I mean, issues in college athletics right now with, with transfer portal and NIL and all this gambling stuff that could just, that have the potential to just be foundation shaking. I mean, what, what, what was your reaction? It's got to scare or at least be an alert, or at least you hope it's an alert to athletic departments around the country. It's, it's funny, you know, even with, as the, the gaming and the the, uh, the gambling aspect has gotten bigger and bigger in the athletic world and more accepted and legal more places and you know all the way from you know doing the uh, daily sport uh, daily uh, fantasy sports stuff and now into the, the legitimate you know betting on props and all of that other kind of stuff and it's so much more open there. College athletics has always been at more more at risk uh, than has. Uh, you know, major league sports, professional sports, because the money it, it, it's in the major league sports. If you're a if you're a major league ball player or an NFL player or NBA basketball player, or whatever, it is too dangerous to lose your career for for gambling, right? right? To take money from a gambler or something like that. But you remember, like the Tulane scandal in basketball. Uh, I can't remember exactly when that was. Maybe it was in the '80s. 
where they were shaving points and stuff like that. It's always been a greater risk at uh, at the college level, and you would think that NIL might have an impact on that where it would be less of a risk. If there's anything good about NIL, it may be that. But to hear about uh, the possibility of, of, um, of a major college, uh, yeah, it's the baseball program, but to have issues in, in that, that's just astonishing to me, and uh, I'm, I'm stunned. You know, every conference has this as part of their their uh you know the conference meetings that they have every year and the meetings with the athletic staff and all the staff people are aware you can't do this you can't you can't even you know they don't want people even being in in any kind of uh you know uh, uh march march madness uh pools or anything like that right that where money is 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 involved uh they don't want anybody in fantasy sports at all if there's money involved and I don't even walk into the sports books here in Lake Charles for the very reason, I just don't want anybody to see me in there. Right. Even though right. I'd like to go in there and watch sports or whatever. I, I, you, you know, you just gotta be so cautious with it. And the, the, the amount of time they spend telling you, don't do this, don't do any of this. And we can't have you do any of this uh, for it to go on at a place like Alabama potentially. And we'll see what comes out of all of this, but yeah, that's stunning. It, it, it is crazy. All right, so next week when we talk, we'll be looking forward to, um, you know, seeds and brackets and NCAA regionals for softball, and uh, obviously the Cajuns and McNeese will both be heavily involved in that. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun to speculate. We appreciate your time, sir. Thank you, Kevin. It's a great time of year for all of that. It's fun. Absolutely. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach Foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Well, we went a little long uh, two segments ago, and so we this will be a shorter segment than it is most days. And we're still trying to wrap. Everyone's trying to wrap their mind around the news that came out of with the um, baseball coach at Alabama getting fired. I mean, there's so many questions. Like, how has he been doing this for a long time, and he just finally got caught? Did he? Uh, did was he just doing this? I still think it's a little interesting that. I, I'm assuming, and maybe I'm assuming incorrectly, that the thought process here of this whole phone call is you're playing LSU, the number one hitting lineup in the country, and if I'm going to put in this pitcher who you know, hasn't hardly pitched instead of my Friday night starter, then LSU is going to destroy that team. But they didn't destroy him. You know, sometimes... 
facing a pitcher, sometimes you got a better chance against a, a pitcher you have a really good scouting report on than you do a pitcher that you are, you don't know don't don't know very much about. Like when the Astros are facing somebody they've never seen before, I am on high alert. I'm like, I don't feel good about this because a lot of t- I, there are a lot of examples like. It just takes sometimes four or five innings before they know anything about the guy. And, you know, sometimes it's before you know it, you're down three to nothing. It's the sixth inning and you lose the game. So, I don't know. There's, I mean, it's, it, you know, it is scary, that, you know, to all the points that Tom made. You would think it's just like I was talking about overlooking people. Uh, these athletes who overlook teams and we think, oh, that's not going to happen. It happens all the time. So, we would probably be shocked. I mean, we'd probably be shocked at how, to know how many college athletes or bookies, how many college athletes bet regularly. I mean, I, I think we some of us would be surprised at how. I'm sure it's way more than what we would think. And so I, I, I don't know how we don't get more of this, really, at least from the player standpoint. But one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3133 on LUS Fiber to Game Hotline 7060111. 7060111. We talked a little bit about the NBA and the craziness of how these game twos go and how much blowouts they are. And I'm a, I asked the question during the break, what impacts the outcome of a game more often? Little um, little insider information or load management? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I don't know. I wonder if load management actually means more than, oh, we're starting this guy instead of this guy. But anyway, one's illegal, I guess, and the other one is not. That's the big difference. Um, so, again, if you have thoughts on any of this, 7060111. You know, I, I was thinking – if I'm an Auburn baseball fan right now, I'm a little on the excited side. Obviously, you're nervous because you've got LSU coming in and, and you know, they have this incredible lineup and, um, you know, arguably the best pitcher in the country they're going to be facing tonight when they open up that three-game series in, 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 in Auburn. But Auburn – Overall, their record is pretty pedestrian by SEC standards. You know, they're 25 and 18. They're 9 and 12 in the league. Uh, if they get swept by LSU, then obviously that's not good. And, and it's certainly possible as good as LSU is. But if I'm Auburn fan, I, I've been, you know, kind of fighting it all year. But you just went to South Carolina LSU hasn't lost the conference series all year, but a lot of people wonder had they that third game not get rained out, 
you know, maybe they would have lost that series at South Carolina. The bottom line is South Carolina is really good. So that was a great job by Auburn to go to South Carolina, win two out of three. So if you could just win, I mean, if you win two, it's just tremendous. Uh, No one really expects that to happen against LSU. But even if you just win one game, and I say that because their last two conference series are against Ole Miss, who's not very good, and Missouri, who's not very good. So would anybody be really shocked if Auburn wins their last six conference games? I mean, there's no certainly no lock that they're going to sweep Ole Miss and sweep Missouri, but not a bad, pretty good chance. I mean, uh, you know, they 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 could. You would think they'd go. They they'd have a good chance of going at least five and one. I mean, if you're as a fan, you're thinking that. So this is kind of a. Um, Kind of like if you're a ULM baseball fan. Like you kind of feel like if I just win one out of three, that's a win for me. Like, you know, I wrote a column yesterday. We talked about it on the air. I mean, the Cajuns need a sweep. Now, LSU doesn't need to sweep. Don't get me wrong. They, you know, LSU's, you know, they're, they're set. They just need to stay healthy and find some pitchers to, to, to give some encouraging performances. But the Cajuns need to sweep. So if, you, if you're if you a ULM, obviously you want to win every game you play. I get that. But from an outsider looking in, if you're a ULM fan, if you win one out of three, you 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 that's a win for you over the weekend, especially the way they've been playing. So, um, and it's very possible, like very possible. Now, if you're an Auburn fan and, uh, fan and you win one out of three against LSU, you went three and three against you could argue the two best teams in the league right now. You could easily argue LSU and South Alabama and South Carolina are the two best teams in the league. So if you go three and three against those teams, you're feeling pretty good. And then I'm going into the final two series against, you know, teams at the bottom of the heap in Ole Miss and Missouri. So we'll see what happens uh, with Auburn there um, this weekend. LSU softball is fit. They're in sixth place right now. 11 and 10. They're about like where the Cajun baseball team is. Um, and they're they're playing second place Georgia this weekend to finish out the regular season before going into as we talked about it with Coach Glasgow, like a single elimination softball tournament. So I you know, I, I don't I don't know if I'm a if I'm on the committee trying to be as objective as I can, I, I don't know what to I don't know how the committee's gonna treat LSU. Because um I mean, you know, they're in the middle of the pack in the SEC, which is a great league. Now you could argue SEC softball this year, not nearly as good are certainly very different than it usually is. I mean, we're all kind of used to Florida being really, really good, but they're just good. We're all kind of used to Alabama being really, really good, but they're just good. Um, you know, I don't – LSU's had on paper many teams better than this team in the last 10 years. So I, I just don't know how they're going to get treated, but they're still the SEC, and they still got a really good RPI – 
And if you're the Cajuns and you have a really good RPI and strength of schedule, then you're worried. If you're an SEC team and you have a really good RPI, I don't know that how worried you need to be because the committee typically takes care of you. So, uh, well, well, but but uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how how high LSU gets, and of course, LSU can certainly help itself by winning a series against a Georgia who um, is second in the conference. So we'll see how that plays out. So, again, some interesting um, – we didn't talk much baseball, college baseball or softball other than the gambling aspect in the first hour. And and this is, um, you know, for softball the final weekend, but still some stuff to be decided, including Minis, like we talked with, with Tom. And that is the difference. Uh, the Cajuns won this, the, the season series over – South Alabama, they swept them, and and McNeese lost two out of three to Southeastern. That's why their magic number is two instead of one. And so we'll see how how that plays out. Uh, but most people expect them to get it done and um, win the Southland Conference regular season, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll see how that plays out. So um, you know, I don't know how much any of this banter whether which side you're on and all this affects the, the the Cajun baseball team, you would think they seem like a pretty focused team. Their ups and downs come more from just inconsistent pitching, I think, than a team who's just not together or not focused. I don't I don't really think that those issues, those intangibles, I don't think intangibles is the problem with this team. I just don't think they have enough consistent pitching but to Tom's point in the last hour not a lot of teams do anymore like why is that this year I mean I'm sure if we surveyed all the major conferences and good mid-major conferences there are some teams that pitch we got it there's got to be a few that pitch really well but like last year um Texas State had some good pitchers. Like, they they did some good pitching. I mean, everybody was not this, you know, Southern Miss's pitching was really good last year. But Texas State still didn't have the depth, and that was kind of their downfall, right, it was the depth in the pitching. And I think that's what you talk about. You still have the front-line guys like Skeens. I just don't know. There's just, yeah, you don't have uh, Vandy having Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter as one, two in their rotation. We haven't seen anything like that since maybe that. Um, I don't know if there's any specific. Southern Miss's pitching it. was pretty good. Yeah, no, it was very good. It w- it was very good. I don't know. I I think maybe it's just a bit of a weird year in that regard. I, and I mean, I don't know. Of course, you've seen more injuries. That's that's always been a thing. That's not a new thing, though. A lot of guys who have had Tommy John, a lot of frontline guys have had Tommy John surgery this season, and that's you know, there's been a lot of discussion about that and how how pitchers are used in travel ball coming up and everything along those lines. But that's not specific to this year. Coach Robe used to always complain about how there's just not enough legislated time by the NCAA to get pitchers ramped up. Like he 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 always thought that they needed more time to get ramped up um, to avoid such injuries. But um, I mean, I I think we're going to learn a little bit this weekend. Uh, I don't think I don't know how much we'll learn softball wise, but baseball wise, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll learn a little bit this weekend and. Um, I would think there's going to be, you know, if you ask me what's going to happen, and again, I don't know, you know, 
how many of us thought the Cajuns were going to go to James Madison and get swept? Like, I don't know that any of us thought, you know, that was going to happen. So we don't know what's going to happen. We're just guessing. But I kind of think in two of the three, I, I kind of expect the the Cajuns-Monroe series in baseball to go very much like most of ULM series have been in recent, in the last month. And that is... In two games, they get killed. Not every time, but mo- a lot of them. And then the other game, they either win or they almost win. So the key for the Cajuns is in the almost win game, they need to make sure it's almost win instead of get beat. But again, Monroe- ULM beat South Alabama. South Alabama crushed them twice. And the other game, they won. ULM won. Arkansas State beat them, scored 25 runs against them the game before the Warhawks beat Arkansas State. So, and then last week, they 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 gave up all them runs to Georgia Southern, but in the first game, they were up by a run going to the ninth inning, so they almost won that game. So, they, the Cajuns just have to make sure if if it continues to play out that way. Of course, you got to hit. You got to not strand too many runners on third. I, I thought, you know, Coach Degg said a lot of things. It, I don't forget sometime whether he says them here on our show when we do our interview on Monday to start the show or in his Monday press conference around noon, a little afternoon. But basically he said, we we can get beat by anybody and until we start, you know, figuring out how to get runners, get more hits with runners in scoring position to stop straining runners and our pitching gets more consistent, that's not going to change. So, I mean uh, – you know, they're going to have to to be able to put them away. Of course, you know, many times, I mean, the Cages had a streak there where they, I mean, I don't remember the number, but it was like into the 20s. Like, they, they didn't lose to ULM for forever. Um, And, you know, so that's why it goes back to what I said at the beginning. If you're a ULM fan, you just want to win one. Like, Winning the series is just total gravy lanyap. For if you are a ULM fan, you just want to win one game, and I'm sure there are a lot of Auburn fans thinking the same thing. Look, just give me one win. I just don't want to get swept. Kind of like I think as an Astro fan. By the way, I'm a little worried about that. The Astros are limping right now. They're going to Seattle. You can imagine how tired the Mariners are losing to the Astros. You know. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. They got to be so sick of losing to the Astros. And the Astros are kind of vulnerable right now. And um, Luis Castilla's pitching tonight. By the way, he's really good. And so I just just don't get swept. The Astros have done a great job. They're not having a good season, but they have not. They have avoided sweeps. Hopefully they can do it in their home away from home uh, one more time this weekend. We will see. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. 
back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline, 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, college baseball or softball. I mean, it's still, you know, it's always time for the NFL. Of course, Saints fans got bad news yesterday about it leaked out that they're going to have to be playing a game in Germany. Just awful. Hate that junk. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. How you doing? I'm glad you called. Before you get to whatever you called about, and maybe this was I, a subject that we have not discussed this week. I'm very glad you called because it reminded me that I that I wanted to discuss this. Um, the Bucks head coach getting fired. I don't know that a lot of people have heard this story. Like, apparently his brother died in an automobile accident right before the playoff series that they got beat. He's just, what, a couple years removed from an NBA title, first one in like 50 years, and then he's fired. It's just a bizarre scenario. Well, Kevin, you know, his his reputation before he won it, before the Bucks won the title when he was at Atlanta – he was a regular season coach, and he never was good in the playoffs. And it was just that one season the Bucks won it all that he was good. You know, you got to look at all the other times he was there with the Bucks. It was almost an early exit almost every year with him. There's just something about him transitioning to the full season. And, look, I mean, he really missed. I mean, okay, I understand something was going on in his family, but he really, really got out of coaching in that Miami series. I mean, he did a lot of things that were very unusual for an NBA coach. And, and is Thibodeau getting out coached too? I look that way too. You know, and look, and look, you know another, like another if the Heat go to the finals, if the Heat go to the finals, this is going to look really bad. You think I, look, that coach Spolstra, that he's one of the best coaches in the business here, Kevin. I mean, that's a Pat Riley disciple right there. That guy's good. And sometimes, and it's not just sometimes, coaching wins out a lot. And look, I look. I, I always thought the guy looked like you know some guy who was you know hawking tickets outside the stadium, and they picked him up, and, and he went to be the coach. He never looked like an NBA coach to me at all, ever. But and, and, and he gets criticized by the analysts all the time. I'm just saying it's kind of bizarre that not a lot of people are talking about how that bizarre scenario. Hey Kevin, look at another thing. Look, uh, going back to the coach for the Bucks got fired. You know his top assistant, uh, Dervin Ham, he left. And he went to the Lakers this year. I think that's another another gap in that system with going on with the Bucks. Look how Ham's doing with the Lakers. So all year long in the regular season, like ex- exactly what does that mean? He's a good regular season coach, but he can't coach in the postseason. Like what does that mean? Well, Kevin, don't they, don't they say the playoffs that with playoff basketball is different? It is different. Yes. That, so okay. Well, then coaching is different too. I mean, he does think. I mean, is this, he just he must be just a system coach. He has this system in place, but when you get into the playoff, things change, and he does not adapt well to that. He did, he didn't do it with the Atlanta Hawks, and he only did it, and he, but for the most part, he didn't do it with the Bucks except for that one year. That's it. Need to go. 
you know he, why else he needed to go? He needed to go to make sure they keep Giannis happy. So, do you, you is there a sense that him and Giannis are not on the same page? We're not. I on... didn't say that. I didn't say that. I just said we, you got to show the man. Okay, we're going to try to do something better to make to, to make things good over here. If we just leave things like they are, and and, and they do the same thing again next year, I mean, you know, Kevin, and then then Giannis when his contract's up, he's, he's going to go. I understand. I, I, look, I, I'm not saying I, I never had the perception the guy was a great coach. It's just funny to me on the from the outside looking in without dealing with all the specifics, which you know way more about it as your, your, your favorite NBA team than me, is you can have a franchise that won an NBA title for the first time in 50 years, and a couple years later that guy gets fired. And that goes down to my three. You never want to win coach of the year. I'm just saying you just don't want to ever win that stuff. It's just hey, an awful thing to do. But anyway, go ahead. Kevin, go, okay, going back to the LSU-Auburn series, you know you, what you said about them trying to win one game. Kevin, you know what they're doing tonight? They're resting, They're not throwing their ace against uh, uh, LSU tonight. They're saving them for tomorrow night. Well, that's smart. Think, to me, that's smart. That's, I mean, that's what they're doing. So what you did, trying to get, get, get that one game. And look, it is smart. I agree with it. But that's what they're doing. A lot of teams have been doing it lately against LSU. You know, uh, with the thing with Alabama, we know about that. But, I mean, that, that wasn't the first time that's happened. And it's going to happen again this weekend. And that's what I think all, what you said right on key. They're trying to win just that one game. Try to salvage it and not getting swept. No, I, I and I think it's wise. And also, you know, maybe the move that Alabama made is just maybe the way he did it was obviously what you can't be calling people on the phone. I mean, we understand that. But from a pure – you probably could defend not throwing your ace on Friday pretty well because other people are doing it. You just can't do it the way he did. No, and did it, and uh, he made sure he called his partner before uh, he announced that guy wasn't starting either. Where the uh, the odds dropped even more after that. <laughs> that right there says, "Buddy, you guilty as can be." Unbelievable. Have a good weekend. Take care. No, I um. I mean, I didn't hear about it till this weekend about the coach's brother dying. Like they kept that a total secret. And I mean, who knows, you know, what impact that had? And none of us will ever know. He probably doesn't even really know. But man, you got to. On one hand, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's just whew. look, and I get it. I, I you, I've heard analysts for three years criticize this guy or longer. Like it's not. He does things that seems to make zero sense to people. But, uh, man, that's tough. The The life of a professional coach, is ju- it just can be really tough. I mean, and I get, like, if he was coaching in New York, like, you know, the tolerance would not be there or L.A., but I, I kind of thought Milwaukee was a little more like New Orleans. Like, if I win a title, man, I, that buys me some time. And buy him a lot of time. <laughs> wow. And, again, I think if the Heat make the finals, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like, hmm, maybe there, you know, there's something to this here. I think, I think what he mentioned about Giannis is, is, is the biggest factor. Like, these teams, they feel if they've got a guy, which Milwaukee has a guy, they feel all the prey. It's like recruiting in college now. You have to re-recruit your stars every day, and they're they are going to do what. And again, 
if if there is any issues between Giannis and, and Budenholzer, we didn't hear about them. But I just wonder if it's a situation where, yeah, like he said, they just they are gonna do anything they can to keep Giannis. And if that means Giannis thought it was time to shake things up, then they're gonna they're gonna adhere to that. I think that might be the biggest situation here. Yeah, that you know, there it would be really. I'm sure they went to Giannis and discussed this with him. I mean, and so uh, that 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 may be the case. Now, Giannis seems like a stand up guy. He would never say any of that public, and so. But no, it, it makes sense. I, I I just thought I just think it's kind of like one of the least discussed kind of big stories that happened this week nationally, and along that same line. And again, I don't know anything about hockey. Like I heard you and Raymond talking about the whole soccer. I don't know anything about hockey. But Boston Bruins guy, he just said the all time record got crushed in the first round by a beach team. I mean. I don't think they're going to fire him, but, you know, not that dissimilar of a situation. Obviously, everyone's situation is, is is you know, different. I mean, you got different – it's different sports, for one thing. You got different personalities and different – all that stuff. And, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about hockey to be able to say they lost that game because of this strategy or that strategy. I have no idea. But, uh, but the s- similarities – in fact – Boston's even worse. I mean, the Bucks didn't set any all-time records this year with wins. They just really good all year long, and um, they did show some cracks late in the season, but no one thought obviously they'd lose in the first round. So it's just um, just a situation I think that's a little under discussed, and I don't know that the not. I mean, other than Giannis and the fact that they won an NBA ch- title recently. I don't know that there's a lot of just casual discussion about the Milwaukee Bucks, which is probably why I like them more than some of the other teams. All right, we'll take a timeout. Be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know what I might need to do when it's about 11 o'clock tonight or 1115 and I'm starting to doze off. Hopefully the Astros aren't down seven to two or something. I might need to play that song that, that that'll give me a little juice to get all the way to midnight or 1215 to make it to the end of the Astro Mariner game. Although, you know, if Christian Javier pitches like he's capable and Luis Castillo pitches like he's capable. That might not be a long game. That might be one of them two hours and ten minute games. So maybe it won't. Maybe it won't get all the way to midnight. Again, the game hotline seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. Speaking of Major League Baseball, I know it's early May. I know you know some people. Unless you're a fan of a big fan of a team. You know, you're focused on college baseball or college softball or the NBA playoffs or your kids trying to finish school or whatever. But this really is a weekend looking at the Major League Baseball schedule. It's three games out of 162. I get it. But 
there's some really cool matchups this weekend to me. First of all, you could argue right now that the hottest rivalry in Major League Baseball is not the Yankees and the Red Sox like it's been at times. It's the Padres and the Dodgers. Like, that's a pretty hot rivalry, the Punks and the Padres. Um, And they play this weekend. So that's one series to kind of cast an eye on. Um, The Rays play the Yankees. The Yankees are kind of been up and down, reeling at times. The Rays are obviously on complete fire. So, and they're at home, and they've played tremendous at home this year. And it'll just be interesting to see if the Yankees, who doesn't see their bullpen has been awful, whether they can um, slow down the Rays at all. The Red Sox, by the way, yesterday. Completed their first four-game sweep of the Jays in like over 20 years. The Jays are going to Pittsburgh, who has surprised everyone getting off to this hot start, but just got their faces crushed in Tampa like everybody but Houston has gotten done. Um, gotten their face cr- where crushed. So the Blue Jays are reeling, needing a win. Gossman got completely shelled yesterday. Gave up eight earned runs. Um, and then, so they're going to Pittsburgh. Who, if they would get beat again, people would start to say, "Well, it's it's only early May, and they're already coming back to form." So interesting. It'll be interesting. That's just an interesting series because of the circumstances. The Jays just got swept in a four-game series at Fenway, and the Pirates just got swept at Tampa, so they're playing each other. The Red Sox, meanwhile, are going to the Phillies, who also have been playing pretty well of late. And so that's an interesting series. Now, not nearly as interesting as all that, but a but a circ what I call a circumstance series. The Cardinals are reeling. If I'm a Cardinal fan, I'm excited about this series because they're playing the Tigers this weekend, and the Tigers are on fire, a bad team that's on fire of late. So you want to play, that's that's the perfect team to play, a bad team who's on a hot streak. That's the perfect team to play when you're reeling. So we'll see if the Cardinals can take advantage of that. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yeah, um, I want to talk NFL draft. Uh you kind of predicted that uh, Texans picking uh, having two picks or trading back into the top five. I thought it was a smart thing that they did. Yes, sir. But, but let me uh, – I don't know if you broke this down history-wise. Um, off the top of my head, the only two times I can remember a, a franchise, like I said, I, I, last two times I remember, maybe it's been recently, but what I remember was the Colts when they had um, Quentin Koyak. And um forgot who else. Steve Edmond, I think. And um it could have been other linebackers. And the uh Browns did it, right? With uh Courtney Brown and um uh, I forgot but who else they did it with. Were they two of the top three or like two in the top like seven or eight? I I, I don't remember exactly where they were. Like two in the top five. Right? Oh, okay, that that's fair, yeah. Well, I could be wrong about the Browns. 
No, I think I got the Browns wrong. I think it may have been two Penn State players when LeVar Arrington and Browns. So that's what I think. Uh, but, yeah, uh, do you do you recall another time where a team had two top five picks? Uh, I, I, not, re- not off the top of my head, no, sir. But I think that was a 90 – it was one of those early '90s drafts. I think Evan went '91 or '92, one of those drafts. Uh, and and look what that that didn't turn out well for that franchise, having two top two top five picks in the same draft. Um, what do you think about Stroud, man? You think Stroud gonna do something? Well, I think I think I think I buy everything everyone said as far as his passing accuracy. Uh, you know, I just wonder about Anderson. Obviously, he had a great career at Alabama. I do think that he seems like a guy who doesn't have an extremely high ceiling, but his floor is high. And 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 I think as inconsistent as and bad as they've been on defense, they need his character and leadership and consistency. He may not like be a guy that's ever going to get fifteen or sixteen sacks, but if he consistently gets them nine or ten and he's a good leader, it's, it'll be exactly what they need. And uh, the Saints pick, I didn't hear you uh, really talk too much about it. You like that uh, the first round pick? I will, you know, no, I did, did. I like it really. No, I, I, I kind of, I had a bad feeling going in about the two Clemson guys. I prefer him over Murphy. Um, you know, I think his skill set is good. It's just, you know, I like a lot of other Saints fans are so OD'd on defensive linemen that don't play, and so because he was hurt in college at times doesn't mean he's going to be hurting the pros. But it, it's very worrisome. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you. No, overall, and we kind of touched a little bit on that yesterday, kind of like a week later, I feel be- I feel pretty good overall about the Saints draft. As usual, I'm not uh, – the two glamour picks in the minds of a lot of people are Terry and Miller, and those are the two that I'm, you know, I'm a little more worried about. Of course, I mean, I, I'm excited about what Terry could be. Perry. Oh, Perry. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, A.T. Perry, not A.P. Terry. Yes. Um, no, I'm excited about what he could be. I don't, you know, the drops is worrisome. And the reason why it's worrisome for me is I'm tougher on drops than a lot of people like. To me, if you have the ball in your hands and you get hit, unless they just really strip it from you, you're just taking a hard hit and you don't hang on to the ball, that's a drop. Now, I don't think they call those drops. Now, if a guy just strips the ball from you, I don't think that's a drop. But if they're just hitting you with their shoulder, you got to hang on to that to me. I you know, now if they're hitting you in the head, you know, that's a lot of pain involved perhaps. I kind of get yeah. that a little more. I saw some stat, and I don't know if I – I didn't verify it with a with a reliable source, but I saw a stat on Twitter that someone was claiming that Reggie Bush had the most – had the longest stretch ever without a drop in NFL history, that he never had a drop in his career, and I did not believe that for a second. No, I, I, I feel like that. I can 100% find some drops in Reggie Bush's career. Um, yes. Again, I think people's definition of drops, like Brandon Coleman had so many balls in New Orleans. He would jump up. It'd be third and eight. They'd throw it to him. He would jump up. He'd have it. And then at the very last second, the ball would flow. Would fall. 
And, you know, they probably didn't call all those drops, but to me they were. So I, I um, I'm, but no, overall, I, I, I think it's going to be good. But again, it's just, it, it, it's so much of it is about health. All right, uh, I'm getting some verification with Jay was talking about. In 92, the Colts took Steve Entman and Quentin Corey at one and two in the draft. So he was he was he was even more correct than maybe he even thought. So I don't think either player was was terrible, but neither one of them turned out to be great. They're not like anywhere near like borderline Hall of Fame careers. So overall, it didn't turn out certainly like they thought that it would. And I think that was kind of kind of Jay's point there. Um, look, if they like Stroud, you need a quarterback. I certainly can't question that. There's just a side of me that would have said, man, pick Jalen Carter and Will Anderson or pick Jalen Carter and Wilson and just really improve your defense. But, you know, we'll see. I, I, I think they did a good job of, of of helping themselves get good in a hurry. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. All right. Again, I I, I think um, it'll be on Monday. We're going to be talking obviously NBA playoffs and in college baseball and softball. But I do think there's some interesting baseball series that will be fun to see how they play out. And I just hope you know the Orioles have played well of late and they're playing the Braves. And the Astros-Mariners series, it's not going to be, you know, they're playing in Asia, so it's not going to get a lot of publicity or anything. But it's a fascinating deal in that the Astros have owned the Mariners for a long time. The Mariners, I think, are are really good. I would think the Mariners are going to be really fired up after that playoff series last year. And and the fans are going to be really into it. And the Astros are vulnerable right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this weekend. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. How much does Foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. I love turning 50 because... I was no longer a 49. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. The game has a brand new app. It's now your one-stop shop for all things the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Download the free app today on your Apple or Android device. Just search the game, Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, I wanted to update you. We talked a little bit about college softball earlier in the show. Wanted to update you on where the RPI stand going as we speak. LSU, it's kind of funny. I was we mentioned when we talked earlier, LSU is in the, you know, finished sixth in the league. It's currently standing sixth in the league and that Georgia's second. Well, Georgia's RPI is 15. LSU's RPI is eight. Um so no matter how good or not as good as you 
that some people might perceive LSU to be. Their RPI is eight. And again, if you're an SEC team or a Big 12 team or a Pac-12 team, and you you're you you not too many of them their RPIs kind of they, they they get shortchanged with an RPI that high. So we'll see how. Um, that seed plays out moving forward and how much it changes. It shouldn't change much no matter what happens between Georgia and LSU, but it could change a little bit. I have an update for you. Okay. Um, we began the Preston Tucker journey. Uh, I have been, I'm going to be now campaigning for him to get traded to the Astros. Yes. Last night, he went two for four with a double, a homer, and an RBI. So since we began talking about Preston Tucker, his last two games, because I was brought up first yesterday, he is now hitting 571 with three homers and four RBIs since I brought him up. Man. So I don't know. That's... Look, I'm all for it. I love it. <laughs> I, I I think it'd be hilarious. I, I would I would really relish that. I, would I mean, enjoy the El Paso that. Chihuahuas are just they're they're rolling because of him. But um, no, I just thought it was crazy. I since I brought it up, like I didn't bring it up because I saw that he had two homers. But then he's now on even more of a roll than he was on before. So they're the Chihuahuas. They are. Yes, they have quite a logo. It's a mean looking Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. <clears throat> All right. Um, another couple of interesting RPIs. Ole Miss is 34. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't think Ole Miss is very good. They didn't look very good when the Cajuns beat them at Lamson. But their RPI is 34. I mean, does that matter? I mean, it's got to – again, it, it matters if they want it to matter. You know, that's just kind of how it is. But um, McNeese is 43. South Alabama is 50. Now, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, South Alabama plays Troy this weekend. So Troy is 56. So if South Alabama sweeps Troy, which... I kind of think that your best guess would probably be that South Alabama wins two out of three. But if, if they went two out of three against 56, are they going to move up? You know, you I don't know. I can't figure all that out. You can guess. but Is it home or road? Do you know? I do not know. I would think that matters a little bit. But I would think generally you would move up if you if you won two out of three against a team that's that close to your RPI. Because not you got to think not that many teams around them are also playing teams that have that good of an RPI and are going to be winning those series. So, I guess if you're a Cajun fan, you it's 56 too far to get into the top 50? Uh, probably borderline. I, I mean, I'm just wrestling with the fact that they would be even better if both of them could get into the top 50. But I don't know that that's possible, right. depending on who would win two out of three in that series. Feels like Texas State's really in a decent spot. Now, they've got a ton of losses, but... They played a decent schedule, and their RPI is like, what was it, 42 when I looked this And they've morning? got some good wins. Yeah, so they feel like they could be in a spot where they don't have to win the conference tournament. Again, although I think Texas State's looking like they're going to end up on the Cajun side of the bracket now, aren't they? And that, So that would be potential semifinal. If you're a team that's not UL in this, in this tournament, all you really, what you re, and if you're one of those, again, one of those teams that's within the 50-ish range where it's realistic, you're hoping to get on the other side of UL so that you wouldn't see them until the championship. And that way, even if you lose to them, you're losing to them, and it's in the championship game right. where you have a couple more RPI boosters. But if your team, yes. like, if you get stuck playing UL in the semifinals and lose to them then, then you might not have had, have not, might maybe haven't have done enough 
getting that other because like for South Alabama, if you if you're gonna play a 40 to 50 RPI team in the semis and then play UL, maybe you get in, maybe you get enough. Yes, Texas State is 42, one spot ahead of McNeese, and three spots ahead of Michigan, which is another one of those losses the Cajuns have that frustrate. Um, Coach Glasgow and and fan. I mean, you know, it was early in the year. They did not play particularly well in that in that game, and they got beat seven to six, I believe it was. So, um, it is what it is. But no, I just wanted to. I kind of looked up those RPIs, so. It's funny how Georgia's in second place, LSU's in sixth place, and yet LSU's RPI is quite a bit ahead of where Georgia's is right now. That's just kind of the way it goes. So, no, it'll be an interesting weekend. We'll see if Cajun baseball can indeed get the sweep. Can they avoid um, getting beat once, which, I mean, mathematically they can afford to lose a game, but Man, when you look at who they've got left to play, Texas State and Southern Miss, I mean, I mean, can you really realistically expect – you You probably can't realistically expect better than 3-3. Three and three. Theoretically, you you know, 4-2 and two wouldn't be shocking, but neither would 2-4, and four, you know, yeah, be I shocking. Think, and also, if, you're gonna, if your goal is just to get into the conference tournament, then I think you can afford a loss. But if your goal is to get in that top six where you don't have to play that play-in game we talked about, then you, you really need to sweep. The problem is the Cajuns, you know, they've gotten swept this year couple times it's not like oh you can't sweep the Cajun so I don't know just like the old saying is you got to make hay while the sun's shining when you're playing a reeling team that you kind of own in ULM it's I think it's very important that they get a sweep this weekend um for both of them um not just you know we'll see all right we um it'll be an interesting weekend. The first order for business for me, obviously, is the Cajun game, and then the second order of business is can I make it to the end of the Astros Mariners game tonight? And will I be really, really upset when I go to bed or not? Hopefully, um they can surprise me and get a win. We'll see what happens. Have a nice weekend.